All right. Uh, so we just got back from uh, from vacation. So we a little bit out of the loop. We went down to the shark attack capital of the world, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, and uh, we were there. We uh, my family's been going there for years. Why would you go to the shark attack capital of the world? It's Florida, but uh, we've been going there for many years. So we went there about three years ago. We. Crystal almost ran into a six-foot shark in about a foot and a half of water. So they have about 27 shark attacks there a year. But uh, you know, here's the thing. You can, and Jonathan, my son, this time, he was going out in the water, foot and a half again, four-foot shark and a three-foot shark right there. So it never disappoints that we see the sharks while we're there. You might think, why do you go there? Well, here's the thing. You know, you can stay really cheap at a place. that you're taking your life into your hands when you get in the water really cheap. So the, it's a matter of priorities. You've got to think about, you know, the safety of my kids or money. <laughs> you know, which one, which one will I choose? So there's, there's my priorities. We, I, the place we stayed at, you know, they have all the television stations. You know, they have the whatever the satellite or the cable, and they have all those millions and Googles of stations. That you couldn't even get 500 stations. And one of them was like that old, they show the old TV shows. And so My Three Sons, anybody ever remember My Three Sons? Anybody? Okay, not as many as the first service, you know. And the first service was like eight, 90%. My three is this show that aired like in the early 60s. And I caught the reruns back in the 80s when I was in, uh, you know, third and fourth grade or whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so we got into it. But the kids, they really, our kids really enjoyed this show. So we were watching My Three Sons. And the storyline, as we were, because we watched, they showed a series of them in a row for a couple different nights. And the deal is, you got the dad, and he's got three sons, and there's Uncle Charlie who kind of helps him out with the, with the sons. And the, his, his wife had passed away, so, you know, Uncle Charlie's helping around the house or whatever. So the oldest boy, Robbie, his wife is pregnant. They all live in the same house together, and she gives birth to triplets. It's incredible. So she comes home from the hospital, and her husband, Robbie, the oldest son, is, is really being kind of rude and short-tempered and gruff and all this kind of stuff. And so Katie, the wife, goes to, to the grandfather, the dad, Stephen Douglas, right, is his name, goes to him and says, he says, hey, is something wrong, Katie? He's like, oh, you know, Robbie's just not acting himself. He's acting kind of you know, short, and, you know, he's just, you know, he's not, he's just not like himself. I don't know why he's not being sweet or whatever. And, and here's, what, here's what the dad says back. This is beautiful. He says, look, Katie, it's tough being a dad of three newborn babies, you know, give him, give, he's tired, give him a break, you know, cut him some slack, this is a hard time for him, I'm thinking, man, she's just giving birth to three babies, man, she just got, oh, I, why, we need those days back, we need to get back to those days, and I said, kids, this is the way things are supposed to be, anyway, uh, that was a fantastic, time. I, we're going to take a break this morning from First Peter and suffering, I thought maybe it would be good to take a break from suffering. Does anybody want a break from suffering this morning? Who wants a break from suffering? A couple of, I know some of you are hard driving. You're like, give me the suffering. But we're going to take a break. We're going to take a little break this morning. And we're talking about First Peter 13. I mean, I mean, Matthew 13 about the sower and the seeds and the soil. It's a parable of Jesus that I've read for years. But about a, about a month and a half ago, I went down with the Mexico missions team. And I saw something in this that I had never seen before. And it really got a hold of me. I thought, this is cool. I've learned something that's really helping me out here. So I want to share that with you this morning. I'm going to read the scripture and then we'll pray and we'll, we'll move on. All right, so this is what it says. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. 
When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on a good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Has anybody ever heard of a bumper crop? Is anybody familiar with that term, a bumper crop? Three people have heard of bumper So let me explain what a bumper crop is then. So in farming terms, this is when you have this huge, I mean, this is a time of celebration. This is a time to break out the band and run up and down the street and say, this is phenomenal what is happening. So this says 160, 30 times. A 30-time bumper crop is unbelievable. 100 times is out of sight. It's like God must have got involved and done something, put some miracle grow in these seeds or something. It's incredible. So what this is leading us to is this is a phenomenal thing. It's a great celebration has just broken out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that we would hear what you have to say to us today. We'd understand it. We'd receive it. We'd respond to it. Lord, I want to pray that every single one of us in this room, that we would hear something specific from you today, something that we need to hear to move us forward in all the wonderful, awesome things that you want to do in and through our lives. In Christ's name, amen. All right, just as a matter of details here, so we can get the specifics right. First of all, there are four soils. And these four soils represent the condition of our hearts. So there's four different types of hearts. Now, you can move in and out of what type of heart you are, but we've got four different conditions of the heart here. What does the seed represent? The seed represents God's word. We're told that clearly, particularly in the Luke chapter 8 version of the parable here. It says the seed is God's word. And how do we respond to God's word? All right. Now you might say, man, I, I've read that before. I know that. Here's the cool thing that got to me that makes this passage kind of stand out to me recently in the past month and a half. What Jesus Christ is giving us here are the four different reactions that we have to God. And at any given time, we're reacting in one of these ways. And he says, you can diagnose what that is. You can diagnose your reaction. And if the reaction isn't part of the fourth soil, the good way to react, now you know what to do to move yourself to where you need to be. Does that make sense? So we're reacting. So I want to go through these reactions real quick. Reaction number one, we are simply going to call it roadkill. Who knows what roadkill is, right? All right. Uh, I've heard some people in some states actually pick up roadkill and cook it for dinner, right? So reaction number one is roadkill. This is the seed that falls in the path. This represents the person who has absolutely zero interest in God. No interest whatsoever. Is either a zero or is it one or two? But like, really, like you'll be in a situation... Well, you hear something about God or you hear God's word, maybe sitting in church and you look over and somebody else is like smiling. Oh, man, that's awesome. You know, hearing God's word. And you're like, 
what is wrong with that person? It's not like doing anything for me. I don't want to pray. I'm not interested in reading the Bible. I have zero interest to God or just barely above a zero. Not much is going on. That's the roadkill stage. So what happens is, is the farmer back in Jesus' day, an agricultural community, would walk out. He's got a big sack strapped to his shoulder and a bag full of seeds. And he walked through the fields and he would just throw the seeds everywhere, right? He'd cast them everywhere. And some of it would fall on good soil and some of it would fall on the path. Now, what was going on on the path? So you had these big fields out there. And you had these very small, narrow paths where people had to cut through to get to one place or the other. And they would walk across the path repeatedly. They were about that wide, about the, about the width of a person. And because they repeatedly trampled over top of the path, the soil got so hard that the seed hit it. It was like cement, and it stuck on top of that soil and couldn't go in. The bird saw it, came, grabbed it, ate it up. It was gone. So it could not penetrate it. Now, why does somebody's heart become that hard that they can't receive it? Again, the seed represents everybody the awesome things that God wants to do in our lives. God wants to do a great thing. That's what the seed represents. God has something, the best things that you could ever imagine in life. God says, that's what I want for you. That's what I want to do. But your heart is hard and can't receive it. Why is somebody's heart hard? We're told this in Proverbs 28. He who hardens his heart falls into trouble. So a hard heart leads to trouble. Some people harden their own heart. Pharaoh, we're told Pharaoh hardened his own heart. I just got back from the beach. As a kid, when I went down to the beach, we used to like dig a hole, get in it, take the sand and cover ourselves over and pat the sand down hard, right? Some of us harden our own hearts. We do it to ourselves. There's a story told in the Bible about the rich young ruler. And this guy comes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, I want to receive eternal life. How do I do it? Jesus says, look, you know the commandments. You know the big 10 commandments, right? You to honor your father and mother, don't lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, right? Love your neighbor, these kind of things. And the guy says, well, I'm doing that. And then Jesus gives him a specific, very personal command, speaks to him, and it touched the guy. Touched, you know what I'm saying? Touched him right where he hurt. Some of us can live with the general word, like the Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah, I'm doing those. I got the Ten Commandments. But when that personal word is spoken right to us, man, that's hitting home. And he says, I, I can't do that. And he, and, he, and he walks away. He hardens his own heart because he was holding on to... So sometimes we do that. Now, look. Sometimes our hearts are hardened by other people, aren't they? So the, the path, the field. Why did the soil get so hardened down? Because people kept walking over it, trampling over top of it over and over again. And some of us are sitting here this morning. And our hearts have been trampled by people over and over and over again. And we're wondering why God's word is not penetrating our hearts, why we don't have a big interest in his word or in prayer or responding to God. We make no response to God. And we say, why is everybody else responding? Nothing's happened to me because our hearts have been trampled. Sometimes it's been done by a pastor. We have people who come here all the time. I hear the stories all the time how they've been trampled over by a pastor or a spiritual leader and their hearts are hard. And they say, you know what? It took me three years. People come here for three and four years sometimes before they're healed up because their heart has become so trampled by other people. For some people, it happens by a parent, a spouse, a friend, a teacher, a boss, somebody in our life tramples our hearts. Trampled. What is the antidote then for the somebody who is in the roadkill stage? Here's the antidote. God, break my heart. Now you might be saying, John, why in the world 
given the condition I'm already in, I have zero interest, I've been trampled already, I'm hard-packed, why in the world, I've broken enough, I don't need to be broken anymore, why in the world would I want to pray, God, break my heart? I'm going to tell you why. Gilligan's Island, okay? You all have seen Gilligan's Island, right? Is there anybody in this room who has never seen Gilligan's Island? That's ridiculous. Okay. Let me tell you something about Gilligan's Island. All right, you got a group of people, you got a skipper, you got Gilligan, the first mate, and you got the uh, rich guy and his wife, and then the movie star and Marianne and Professor. Did I name them all, everybody? Okay, so they're on the side. They've been shipwrecked. They were out on a boat tour somewhere. It looked like Hawaii to me. And they got shipwrecked. They're on this island. And so what the whole thing is about is them trying to get off the island. And so over, and usually it's Gilligan who does some dumb thing and wrecks it. But they're so close, everybody. And you can, when they get so close, because they really want to get off this island, even though it's paradise, they really want to get off the island, right? And they get so close, so close over and over. And every episode is basically the same thing about them getting so close, almost getting there, and then some dumb thing happens and they get off. You know what? I watched that show. I loved it. I watched it month, year. But after about two years of that show as a kid, I hated that show. You know why I hated that show? I couldn't stand that they got so close to something so great, and then over and over and over again they lost it. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. Drove me nuts. And that's what it's like to be in the roadkill stage. God wants to do something awesome in our lives. We keep getting close to it. Uh, a couple years ago, I played in a golf tournament. At a very, it was, I was free. I was invited to play for free. It was a very, I would have never gone if I had to pay for it. Again, the money thing, right? But so uh, this very expensive country club, very expensive country. So I'm here, and I, don't, I know nothing about golf. I'm a terrible golfer. I'm out there with my uncle and two other guys who golf, I guess, some or whatever. And so we get in between the nine holes, right? It, so when you, right before you start the 10th hole, there's usually like the snack bar. I don't know what they call it at this rich place, but um, the hot dogs were like 12 bucks. So my uncle and I go in there, and we realize the hot dogs are free. The tournament is paying for everything. Well, somebody's paying for it. I'm not paying for it. Anyway, they're free. We get our hot dogs. We come walking out to the tee, and we're kind of in a hurry because we got to go because there's always got people behind you. And we say to the guys that are with us, you guys aren't going to get hot dogs? They're like, no, we're not even hungry, not even hungry. And we said, they're free. And you know what they did? They about broke each other's neck. You never saw two old guys get so excited about a hot dog in your life. It was like we said, we could have said there's a million bucks inside of that snack shop where you go get it. It's free. Man, they ran. These guys ran. They ran to the cars, they got in the carts, went up, they come out, here they sit. They haven't even taken a body of the hot dog yet. They just got this huge smile on their face. They set the hot dogs down on the seat. They grab their clubs because we had to tee off quick and they come back and eat the hot dogs. They grabbed the club, set it, grabbed the club, turned their back, and a bird came to two birds, one for each hot dog, bam, bam, took it, took it out of the bun. Like these are smart birds, took it out of the bun, boom, and that big, huge $12 hot dog, gone. I'd never seen two people so excited and so devastated over a hot dog all in one time. They were that close, that close. I want to tell you one last illustration. This actually is a very sad illustration, and it happened one block from this location that you sit in right now. So uh, I went to school here, here in this school, and I'm walking home one day with a buddy of mine, and uh, we get over here to Glebe Road, uh, right where the fire station is. Maybe some of you have seen this fire station. It's just right here on Glebe Road. So we get there. Fire station was not there 
all those years ago. It was just a big field. And behind the Salvation Army that was there is also another big field. And we had walked across Glebe, the four lanes of Glebe Road, and there was this dog, and this dog was running in the field there where the fire station is, and back behind the Salvation Army. He was a big smile on his face, and man, that dog was fast. And he was, and we just watched it. He was having so much fun. We just stood there and watched the dog for a minute. And then we could see the dog got his thought in his mind. He was going to fly across Glebe Road. And man, we were watching him go, go, you know, because he was just running so fast. And he was so happy and so excited. And he made it across one lane, two lane. He got third lane. He got up to the fourth lane and a tractor trailer was coming. And that tractor trailer hit that dog. And because, you know, underneath of a tractor trailer, it's just, you know, that much space that's open, you could see that dog's body just bounce. Hit underneath the trailer, hit the floor, hit the bam, 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 bam. I'll never forget that. That dog was so close and so free, and he was running. And, you know, guys, this is really sad, but here's the thing. Some of you, you've had your hearts trampled. You've either hardened your own heart, somebody else's hardened your heart, trampled on you, and I'm very sorry for that. It's happened to me. It's painful. It's terrible. Okay? This life is tough enough. We don't need to miss out on the blessings that God wants for us. And it's going to be very difficult to say, after all you've been through, God, break my heart. But it is the antidote to your situation. If you sit here this morning with zero interest in God or very minimal interest in God in His Word, prayer, the Bible, etc., the way to combat that is to say, God, I need you to break up my heart. I need you to plow up the ground of my heart. Painful thing to do, but you do not want to miss out on the great things that God wants to do in your life, as painful as it is. All right, reaction number two to all of this is ADD. A-D-D. So we're told here that the seed is sown among the rocks, and this huge reaction, immediate, it's powerful, it's quick. It's the exact opposite of roadkill. So roadkill, like nothing's happening. Seed just laying there, bird come, pick it up, there's no reaction. This on the soil, the rocky soil, the thin soil, it's bam, overnight, this huge reaction. Then all of a sudden after the reaction happens, then there's nothing. It just goes dead. This is what it says in Ephesians. It says, no longer be infants tossed back and forth, A-D-D, back and forth by the waves of the sea blown here and there. Peter was very A-D-D. Boom, he would make these big explosions right for Jesus. He'd say to Jesus on one side, he'd say, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I mean, right out front, right? You are the Christ. You are it, man. A couple verses, just a couple verses later in the scripture. I love how it does it. Jesus, you have no clue what you're talking about. You need to get your act together and listen to me. Whoa, how about this? Everybody's going to deny you, Jesus. I'll never deny you. I'll never read my lips. No denial here. I've never seen the guy in my life. Don't know who he is. ADD is this up, down, up, down, all over the place. It's all over the place. God cured Peter's spiritual ADD, and God can cure ours. What's the antidote to that? The antidote to that is God disciplined my heart. I need you to bring discipline into my life. Look what it says in Hebrews 12. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Ain't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? 
Who wants discipline at the time? It's a terrible thing. It's painful, it says. But later on, here's the good stuff. It produces, again, we're going to the bumper crops. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God disciplined my heart. If you find your spiritual life looks like this, if you're doing this, you find it. Oh, Jesus, who is Jesus? Oh, Jesus. If you're doing that, if you're up and down with your connection with God, here's, here's the antidote. God discipline my heart. Third reaction to this. The third reaction is deceived. Deceived. This is the seed that is sown among the thorns. The, the thorns come and they choke the seed out. We're told this in Luke 21. Jesus Christ says, check this out. Very good words. He says, watch out that you are not deceived for many are going to come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. So what did Jesus Christ say? He says, follow me. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm one's going to give you life. Aren't there many things that come along our way that deceive us and say, I am the way. Follow me. Doesn't work. Doesn't your work come along and say to you, follow me. I'm the way. I'm number one in your life. Doesn't it do that? Doesn't success come along and say, follow me, I'm the way. When you get up in the morning, think about success. When you go to bed at night, eat, drink, think about success. Doesn't promotions come along and say that? Isn't this what consumes our minds? Don't these things scream at us? Doesn't money scream at us and say, I am the way, think about me? Sex obnoxiously stands on the street corner and screams at us, I am the way, follow me. Some of us think that marriage is the way. Some of us think that kids are the way or just being busy. I gotta be busy all the time. I am the way. But that is not the way, according to Jesus. The way is, is to follow after Jesus Christ. So what does Matthew 6 say? It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Look, maybe your battle's the same as mine. I don't know. I've had a lifelong battle. I wake up every morning, and I've got Jesus saying, seek me first. I am the way. And I got a long list of stuff over here saying to me, you know what? You get to Jesus in a few minutes. Seek me first. I mean, you got a million emails, you got things to do, you got, you know, you got stuff that you do for work, you got stuff that you do personal in your house, you got all these things to do. You better follow hard after all this stuff that you have on your to-do list, and then when you can fit Jesus in over here, okay. Okay. That's deception. Who was deceived? Adam and Eve were deceived. Terribly deceived. So God says, the whole garden is yours. Just enjoy it, everything. But just stay away from this piece of fruit over here. Just stay away. And the serpent comes along and says, you know what? You've got to have that fruit, man. <laughs> God's holding out on you. He is holding out. You've got to have that fruit. He's holding out on you, so they're deceived. How about Cain, their son? He's deceived. He thinks the way to happiness, the way to a successful life, the way to getting everything he wants is to have anger and vengeance on his brother. And God says, you know what? You better turn away from this. It's going to eat you up. It's not the way to success. And he's deceived and he follows that way. We can't allow the worries of life and all the deceitfulness and all the things that are screaming at us to rob us. We must seek first God's kingdom. What is the antidote to this? God reprioritize my heart. If you're being deceived like me many times in my life, my prayer 
constantly is to God, God, would you reprioritize my heart? Because I just keep failing at this one over and over and over again. It's ridiculous how much I fail at this one. All right, reaction number four. Here's the good stuff. The fourth reaction to God is that he hears and understands. We hear, we're not just here, we understand it. Listen, understanding is critical. How many of us have either known somebody that misunderstood something from God's word and it shot them off in a direction or somebody stood up in a pulpit and they misunderstood and they told everybody else some great misunderstanding and it led people down a wrong path or you've misunderstood something and it led you down a wrong path. Understanding is critical and it's why the Bible tells us forever, for the entire rest of your life, keep, keep pounding on heaven's door and say, God, I need understanding. Proverbs is all about that. Seek it, seek it, seek understanding. Never stop praying for it. With that being said, I really want to talk about hearing right now. I want to talk about hearing from God and what God has to say to you. Listen to what it says, Proverbs chapter uh, 8. Bless the man, bless the woman who does what? Who listens to me, awake and ready for me. Each morning, alert and responsive as I start my day's work. They're ready. They're alert. They're listening as you begin your day. What do all of us do when we really want to hear something? What's the natural human reaction when you want to hear something? All of us do it. We what? Freeze. We barely breathe. We get as still as possible, and we listen really hard. You think you've got a mouse in your house, and you just stop. Where's that mouse? Because even though I'm six foot two, I am scared to death of this little tiny creature that weighs less than a pound, right? So we freeze and we listen really closely. Where is that? Is it any different with God? I mean, if we really want to hear from God, because God has something that will really bless our lives, shouldn't we also stop and freeze at the beginning of each day and say, God, I'm listening. I really, really need to hear from you. Look what it says here uh, in Ecclesiastes 5. One, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. What do, you go, what do you go for? You go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Listen before doing. It's so important that we hear from God. Finally, look what it says in Psalm chapter 1, the first three verses. These are excellent the way the Psalms begin. It says, happier are those who don't listen to the wicked, who don't go where sinners go, and who don't do what evil people do. They love the Lord's teachings and they think about those day and night. They are strong. They're like a, planted, like a tree planted by a river. The tree produces fruit in season and its leaves don't die. Now check out how it ends. Everything they do will succeed. That sounds pretty doggone good to me. Everything they do will succeed. And where does it start with? Who are you listening to? It all starts in verse number one. Who are you listening to? Are we listening to God or are we listening to something else? Mark chapter 9, the story of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Elijah and Moses show up. And you've got Peter, James, and John. And they're all like, oh, my gosh. And here comes the glory of God down upon them. And all the things the Father could say about the Son, what does he say about him? This is my Son. I love him. Then do what? Listen to him. Of all the things. I mean, come on. Is that the best you got? I mean, can you, can, God, can you say anything else about your son, the Savior? Will? He's my son. I love him. Listen to him. Listen to him. That is how important listening is. It's critically, critically important. Now, I called this antidote number four. That was dumb. That was dumb. I was on vacation, and I was just foolish, so I wasn't thinking. So what do you want an antidote from the good one? So that doesn't make sense. So uh, we'll call it a booster shot. So what you need is when you're here, you need the booster shot. So what's the booster shot? It's God grow my heart. So 
God, grow my heart. I want more of, you know, what you have for me. So when you're, when you're at, you know, roadkill, when you have that zero interest, it's God, break my heart. So if you're here this morning and psh, nothing going on, God, break my heart. If you're at the next one, you're ADD. It's up and down. Woo, God, and up, down, all over. Right? God, discipline my heart. Flatten me out. When you're deceived, when you're in that deceived stage, it's God reprioritize my heart. And finally, this stage here, it's God grow my heart. We grow when we hear, understand, and respond. Now, let's go all the way back to the beginning and talk about the rich young ruler and close this thing out. So we got the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus. What do I do to inherit eternal life, right? And Jesus says, well, follow the Ten Commandments, basically. Honor your father and mother. Well, that's a great one. I love that one. Uh, honor your father and mother. You, when you have kids, you'll just love it more and more. It's like, whoo, just jumps off the page at you. All right? And then uh, don't steal and lie and commit adultery and love your neighbors and all this kind of stuff, right? He says that. And the guy says what? What do he say? He says, I got it. I'm doing all that, man. I'm, I'm good. I got that. Jesus says, okay. That's the general word of God. There's, a, there, there's something in Scripture. It's the general word of God. All right? And a lot of us, we're like, okay, I know what the general words of God are. Okay, now here we got something. A specific word comes. Specifically and personal to you. And this is what I want to close with this morning. God has a specific and personal word for you this morning. He always does. He always does. He always does. In combination with God's general word, like the Ten Commandments, and God's specific and personal word to you this morning, that leads you to bumper crops. That leads you to a successful life of what God wants for you. So the thing is, is what is God speaking to you today? I've asked the prayer team a few days ago. I said, I need you guys to begin to pray about something. We're going to have a room full of people here Sunday morning, and I need you to pray that everybody would hear that personal word that God has. Now, we just got back from vacation. You know that? I talked about that. Just before we left vacation, sit down on the beach, just talking to Krista, kind of wrapping up vacation. And I've had a dream in my life for years, and I've been frustrated because I feel like I keep getting close to this, this thing that's been on my heart for 30-some years. I keep it, but I, it's, I can't not. I'm almost there. I'm like Gilligan. I, can't, I get close, but I can't get off the island. And it's frustrating. You know what I'm talking about? Does any of you have a dream and you just keep getting close and it's not becoming around? And it's frustrating. And I, you know what I need? I need to hear from God. I need to hear something personal. I don't need to hear the Ten Commandments. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm not saying they're not good, okay? I need something from God. I need to hear something specific from God to me, a personal word. I need to hear God speak. And I'm betting there's a bunch of us in this congregation here this morning. We need to hear from God this morning. What do you say to me right now? That's what we need to hear. And I feel like that God wants to speak to some of us this morning. So I asked the prayer team to pray about this. And I would encourage you to go visit them on the wall during the last song or after the last song that we're getting ready to sing here in just a second and have them pray with you. All right? All right. I need to do one thing. It's going to take me three minutes to do it. There's no way around this. It's going to sound terrible. This is going to sound absolutely terrible. But here's the thing. We're having the volunteer fair today, right? Uh, I wasn't here. I was away, okay? I did not coordinate this. This is the way it works. Because in a second, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, you coordinated all this thing just to make me feel guilty and for making me to sign up on a volunteer team. 
I didn't. Uh, the rest of the staff did put the volunteer fair together. I just happened to be preaching this message this day, okay? So don't feel unusually uh, guilty because you're going to catch the point here in just a second. So here's the thing. Um, God's word's pretty clear uh, that he came to serve and he wants us to serve too, right? That we all should serve. And sure, there's seasons of our life when we're like, you know, I need to take a break from serving. That's great. But if you've been on a break for like a year, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, there's a problem. There's a problem, okay? And so God's word is also clear. Everybody's got a gift. God's gifted you with something, and you should use that gift for God's work in this world. And the church is a family, and we need eyes and nose and toes and all that kind of stuff. And we all work. Somebody's got to take out the trash. Somebody's got to, you know, clean the dishes. We all, all got to serve apart. So we got all these volunteer teams. We set up. We break down. We got kids ministry. We have all these things. Now, here's, here's where you can apply this message right here today. I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm just giving you a practical way to apply it, all right? So we got all these teams out there signing people up to do these different things where you can use your gifts. Now, Reaction number one is going to be what? Tell me. Come on. Some smart person. Who's the smartest person in this room? Who can tell me what reaction number one is going to be to the volunteer fair today? What is it? No. Thank you. Whoever said that, get an extra donut when you go outside. It's going to be no. No way. I'm not interested. I have zero interest. You nailed it. I'm roadkill. I have no interest whatsoever. So um, you'll have to deal with it. May God break my heart. Whatever. I've been trampled. I've been burned. I understand that a lot of people have been burned out because churches burn people out. So we're not interested in doing that. So, but whatever the case, it could be no. Reaction number two should be, is what? It's going to be, yes, sign me up. Matter of fact, sign my name on every team that's out here. I want to do every single thing. A month from now, you're not going to see my face again. But for right now, sign me up on every team. That's going to be ADD reaction number two. What is reaction number three going to be? It's going to be, yes, yes, sign me up. When you call me, I'm going to be busy, but sign me up anyway, right? And reaction number four is going to be, you know what? I'm, a, I'm going to pray about it. I do believe God's word. God's given me a gift. God's called me to serve. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to try to hear from God and respond and do what God wants me to do. That's all I'm going to say about the volunteer fair. I hope you don't feel guilty, but I hope that you'll whatever. Okay. I do really want everyone to think about this because it's been something that's really hitting home with me. And as I talk to people, I think it, hit home, it hits home with you as well. God has something he wants to say to you. I'm desperate to hear a personal word from God. And I'm pretty much in that stage. A lot of points in my life I find myself like, like I'm there and then before I know it, I'm there again. Like within a few days, I just constantly need to hear something specific from God. I want to ask you to really think about that and, and, and just quiet yourself for a few moments and say, God, what is it that you want to speak to me today? And consider visiting the prayer team because life would be so much better if we heard from God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, I want to pray for the people uh, who are here. Like me, you know, there are times in my life when my heart's been so trampled and so hurt. Uh, and it's going to be really hard to say, God, break my heart. It's going to be really hard to say that. But, God, I pray that you would help us who are in that condition to say that. For those of us who are just up and down and all over the place to say, God, discipline my heart. Or, God, reprioritize my heart. Father, I just want to pray that you would speak a specific and personal word to every single person here this morning that desires to hear it. That we would hear from you. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.